Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I'm so excited to welcome alum Chris Whitaker to the show. Welcome, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Chris is a former teacher and current elementary school principal who has worked in public education, pre-K through six settings in both Title I and dual language immersion schools. She has been a principal for nearly 20 years and has navigated the transition from school closure and rapid switch to remote learning, to hybrid learning, to in-person learning, and back again to remote learning. Her passion is in reaching students and families who encounter obstacles to learning in the form of cultural differences, equity, mental health, and other situations that are sometimes at odds with traditional school environments. So holy cow, Chris, so excited to have you. What what a wild time to be in education. There's just, there's so much going on. Um, and I, I'm really excited to explore a little bit of this kind of uh, area of work with you today. But before we dive in, uh, as a fun fact, you shared with me that you have been to China. And in fact, you've actually visited the Great Wall of China. So talk to me about you know what led you there and what that experience was like. It, it was an awesome experience. Um, it was while well, I was principal of a Chinese immersion elementary school and um, the Chinese government through a program called Hanbon um, sponsored educators to come visit for a week and get to see schools and the culture and the food and all the things. Um, so I went with a group of different educators from Utah. Most of us had some some responsibilities within the world of Chinese language immersion. Um, And we got to go to the schools. We got to go watch hundreds of children, elementary age, even do calisthenics outside together in rhythm and see classes of 42nd graders who sat quietly in their seats (laughs) um, until there was a break. And then when there was a class break, they were like, seriously, aggressive with each other. And we were like, ah, why isn't anybody intervening? But anyway, it was amazing to see just a different world. Um, And they did take us to a few sites. We went to the Forbidden City and we went to the Great Wall of China. And I have never climbed so many stairs in my life, Um, but just an unbelievable experience. Oh my gosh. I love that. And what a fun what a, what a fun um, like element to add to your portfolio of, of unique things. You know, it, life is short. And so I love that you were able to take that opportunity and, and learn so much from it. All right. Well, Chris, I, I would really love to just dive into, I have so many questions for you, but I'd love to start um, just by hearing a little bit about you and where your interest for teaching slash education, like where did this all come from? Um, I think it's kind of been my thing for longer than even I dare admit. Um, I am the oldest of eight children. And even as a three and four year old, um, my grandfather called me charger because I was always in charge of everything. I was bossing everybody around and teaching isn't totally bossing everybody around, but it kind of is sometimes. And so I think that has kind of always been a thing for me, you know, just working with children, having lots of younger brothers and sisters, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, I've bought it a little bit when I first started college. Um, I was sure I was going to be a psych major. And then I was sure I was going to be a speech language pathologist. And then I was like, 
but education is what I love. And education <laughs> <Dang> it. <laughs> something I can get in the trenches and do. And so I gave in happily and really haven't looked back. Wow. Well, I love that. And you know, it's so funny. I, I talked to so many students and you know, most students, especially that freshman, sophomore year, they have no idea. And this is super normal, but they don't know it's normal. And so I really appreciate you just normalizing. It's okay that things can change. We can switch our majors. That is okay. And in fact, it's great. <laughs> right. It's part of the journey. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, I would love to move into a question that's really about what is going on in education right now. You've been a principal for almost 20 years, but but I'm guessing in, in these past, gosh, two or three years, things have probably looked different than they've ever looked to you before. And so talk to us about you know what have been some of the unique challenges that your school has faced with, with the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't know. What, what's on your mind? I, I, there's been so much. And I... I feel like there's kind of the the two sides of it. There's the social emotional side for our kids and our families and our teachers and the stress of having the world basically go on pause and change on a dime and us needing to find a new normal um, emotionally and mentally and in our relationships. And then there's the education component, the how do we help every kid access education um, and that by and large especially at the beginning was technology and how do i make sure that all my families have access to technology and that doesn't just mean can we send an ipad or a laptop home with a kid that's sure. do they have connectivity at home do they have a parent to help them navigate stuff especially if they're younger um so we're providing hotspots for families so that they've got some internet at home we're providing the devices um we're trying you know one of the top things i told my teachers those very first few months in 2020 was take care of the kids make sure you're trying to look at kid faces make sure you're connecting with them if you need to have go run in your house and find something blue and come show it to me on the camera day that's okay because that stuff is just as important as our, you know, basic maths and other things right now at that yeah. time. But over time, it's been fun to watch it grow and morph and how, as the kids came back, teachers continued to keep some of that good technology practice going in their classrooms with their students. And then it comes back to benefit us again, whether a child themselves is ill or had been quarantined because a family member was ill or whether we had, it's been just about a month ago now, um, we needed to go on remote for three days because our cases were super high. And the teachers just did that so easily with like one day warning um, and they were up and going and I'm walking around the building and I'm seeing people teaching to their classes and doing Zoom and they've got a Nearpod going here and a Flipgrid there. And they're like, oh, that was easy because now we know how to do it. It was terrifying before, but now it's right. easy. So. And it's so interesting to hear you, you talk about that, you know, from the higher education perspective, I can definitely say, um, you know, when that shift happened, it happened so fast. And while, you know, I don't think we would, we would never have planned it that way, I, I think we also saw some incredible benefits and also just um, the affirmant that we could do it. We could do it quickly. Uh, sometimes in higher ed, things move a little slower than we, we'd like to admit. And so I think to see that quick and sudden, no, we have to make this change. Um, it brought about things that we maybe wouldn't have seen otherwise. And so I agree that despite, you know, all of the, the awful things that COVID has obviously brought, um, 
there have been some unique benefits in the education setting. So it's so fun to hear that that is also happening even at the elementary level. So interesting. Um, I'd also love to hear both from maybe your teaching background, but also also that leadership perspective. What what are some of the, the most rewarding aspects of teaching? And again, you can think back to as a teacher yourself, but also as you watch kind of these blossoming educators now, where, where are some of the, the most benefits there? Um, and yeah, you're right. They're a little bit different from teaching to leadership administration, and yet they have a lot of crossover. Um, you know, it sounds right, impacting the lives of children or whatever. But as we look at all the challenges and issues, society, even worldwide right now, um, building those relationships with kids, helping kids see what is truth, helping kids see that there are people they can trust, helping them learn how to evaluate sources of information and things like that, maybe wouldn't have been what I told you 20 years ago, but sure. it absolutely is now. Um, and it's so rewarding to watch that changing kids and watch that capacity grow in them, um, whether you're a teacher doing that with them, you know, First grade teachers are some of my many heroes because they're the ones who really help kids get that literacy strong and get reading under the belt because everything builds out of reading. Um, and so that's so rewarding. And then I look at I was a sixth grade teacher and I look at my sixth grade teachers and think they're here in elementary on our level and they're really shepherding them and helping them get ready to step into secondary where perhaps there isn't as much um of that one-on-one -on -one adult to student um, relationship as much, but yeah. Um, well, and even like the other day I had a, a student who had been in some fairly significant disciplinary trouble and we were meeting together, even with a representative of the district to talk about um, what he needed to be successful going forward back at school and those kind of things. And at, at the end she said, now what else can we do for you? And he said, I need Miss Whitaker to check in on me. And that's like, ugh, oh. Your heart just melts darn a little. <laughs> darn it. I go check in on him all the time because that's what he's saying he needs. I mean, that's what our kids need is they need another adult besides the adults at their home um, or two or three other adults knowing that they're around and caring about them and showing an interest in them. Wow. Such such an important piece, and and that's a really good point to make. That um, in addition to all of this wonderful technology that we're we're all using, um, that human element is still critical, and we see that again from the higher ed perspective. We see that, and and I've seen that in so many other industries, um, which is so interesting. And I think it does speak to that importance of of building relationships. And and I'd actually love to kind of ask a follow up question to that. Um, you know, as you think about the many different skills that I'm sure you have to use, like on a daily basis in, in varying situations, what are some of those key skills as a principal that you really feel like, you know, if you were talking to a college student who's maybe thinking about that long term, you know, what skills would you recommend they start working on? Um, again, it comes back to relationships. It comes back to being able to create, build, maintain relationships with kids and with colleagues and with the people you supervise, as well as the people that you work for. Um, but really, ultimately, you've got people's babies. And if you've 
got to build those relationships with the parents and really listen to them and think about things from their perspective. Um, Cause it's really easy for those of us here with my 700 some odd kids to lose sight of the fact that this is this parent and they've trusted them to us and they want to know they're safe in our care and they want to know that we can see things from their perspective, um, even if our perspective is different. So the ability to take different perspectives, I think is super vital. That's a really interesting insight. And you know what? It makes me wonder yeah, how how do teachers? I mean, on a on a basic scale, how how have they been building that rapport with with families? You know, has it been emails, Zoom calls? I mean, like, what has that looked like, especially during the pandemic? I, I think you're exactly right in that it's changed um, and it's changed a lot due to the pandemic. But honestly, I think it's another one of those silver linings to the pandemic, which is yeah, we switched to Zoom parent teacher conferences. But that has been huge because it's allowed more parents to participate because they don't have to get off work or, mm-hmm. you know, a babysitter or <laughs> babysitter. Yeah, you don't have kids all over the classroom and you can't concentrate on what the teacher's saying or anything. But it lets other people engage. I've been I've observed on a parent teacher conference on Zoom where the parent was doing her job and talking to us while she cleaned a hotel room. And mm-hmm. it was magnificent because she was somebody who probably couldn't afford to take the time off to come to it, but she wanted to be involved. Um, And so having those opportunities to reach out, um, I really, you know, there's that fine line and boundary keeping, but any way that you can connect with parents in a quick, easy way. Like if I have a student who's having some school anxiety and a parent's dropping them off at school and they're in tears and the parents in tears, but they know they've got to go and, just snapping a picture and texting that to the parent of the kids sitting happy in class five minutes later, which is almost always true. Um, that builds relationships. They're like, Oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. You know? Um, so there's lots of, lots of new and different ways. Um, and like I was mentioning before doing a lot of my teachers, even for second grade have canvas courses um, mm-hmm. for their kids. And part of that, they have their kids, read into the video on like a flip grid or something, but then the parent can see how their child's doing um, and can see how they're reading. Um, and sometimes if everybody's gotten the permissions and stuff, they can see other kids doing it. So that gives them a chance to kind of evaluate their child's skills versus other children's skills. Um, that is so interesting. And I hadn't even given that thought that parents perhaps have more access, more yeah. insight into their students' learning, which it wasn't wrong before, but what a cool opportunity. Uh, that's so interesting. Hmm. Man. Okay. Great insight. Great, great, great insight. Uh, Chris, I'd love to ask you, you know, as a principal, this is kind of like a, a big bird's eye view question, but I am really curious what you've learned about the importance and, and maybe role that education can play, um, especially, you know, as we look at the societal issues that are going on as we are looking at, you know, discrimination, equality, equity, all of these, I mean, heavy, heavy um, things that, that need change. You know, how, where do you see education really making an impact or, or dent in those areas? I really feel like we have the opportunity within education to make probably the biggest dent in that, um, in the ways we teach our students and the ways we treat them and the ways we teach them to treat others. Um, So like here in my school, we've had some form of kindness as our theme every single year 
that I've been here. Um, so, you know, sprinkle kindness like confetti or kindness is key or whatever, but it's more than just a saying it's teaching the kids the skills to do that, teaching them, you know, what it looks like. And almost everything when I'm talking with a child and they tell me about something that's happened, we kind of process it from the, is it kind? Um, because I think societally that would benefit everybody. Um, equity is really, really, really important. And so making sure that our school is equitable, that we celebrate diversity, that we celebrate inclusion, that kids know no matter what, we are thrilled to have them here. Um, we're not concerned about what people look like or what they wear or anything like that. We're just concerned about kids being safe and happy and learning. Um, and I think if we can keep building on that, um, we can have a huge impact on the outside world. But there are a lot of really loud voices, too, that are getting sometimes equal billing. Yeah, it's hard. It's so hard. Like hard is an understatement, but I but I think that provides some hope as an alternative. Um, and so I really appreciate you sharing those. Um, and I'm also really curious, uh, shifting questions a little bit here. I'm curious, you know, for you, I I'm sure you have felt a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of you know, how do I continue the vision of my school? How do I continue um, to motivate people, inspire people despite really, really tough circumstances? And so I'm curious, you know, um, oftentimes people look at a principal and say like, that's the top dog. That's, you know, that's on the hierarchy. That's, that's the top person. But I am curious, you know, who have you turned to for support or mentorship, um, you know, or have you done it alone? I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Um, yes, I think, Collegially, we have, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I'm in such a large district um, because there are 61 people in this district who do the same job I do as an elementary principal and who understand and go through many of the same things. So I've got my core group um, that I reach out to and we support each other and we answer questions and we share ideas. Um, and again, I feel like this is another way that technology has benefited us because even amongst principals, we've created, you know, Microsoft Teams groups and somebody will throw out a question and 10 of us will have an answer and then they can kind of pick and choose what works for them in their setting. Just a lot more collaboration than maybe there used to be. Interesting. Um, and it helps it feel a little bit less lonely. But yeah, it certainly can feel lonely at times when... Um, you're the only one dealing with these things here in this building. Sure, sure. No, but I love that that collaborative approach. And, and again, that use of technology to say um, we can do things differently and we can do them better than they used to be. And so I really, I really appreciate you, you showing that through both your, your words, but also the actions that you're taking. I think that's really helpful as we think about the future. Uh, well, Chris, I can't believe we're almost out of time here, but I do want to end on one final question. Um, and I hope that uh, you're okay with me asking, but if you think about like 18 year old Chris, just a few years ago, <laughs> um, you know, what advice, you know, in terms of career, what would you tell 18 year old Chris? I would tell 18 year old Chris to take her time. Um, the, you know, life is long and stretched out ahead of you. And so take your time, try different things. I don't really regret trying those different majors. I don't regret, honestly, I even took a gap year. Um, and 
you know, all those things help you figure out who you are. And as you figure out who you are, you'll know what you want to do. Um, another thing is uh, reach out to people that you trust and to people who you know, know you well enough to know your strengths, to know things that may be more challenging for you and who you know will just speak from the heart, but bluntly to you about and then be kind to yourself. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess some things up a little bit or a lot. But guess what? So does everybody else. And they'll forget about it by the day after tomorrow. Yes. Oh, such good advice. Yes. I, I love this idea of kind of having your 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 people, your team, your whatever you want to call them, but those go-to folks who, like you said, will be honest and upfront, but also do it with kindness. Um, and, and, and I think that is so important. Um, and I also love this notion of of taking your time again there's so many career myths out there that i i feel like part of my job is simply um dispelling some of these myths the students come with um but but this idea that um there truly is time and i know you know it's it's easy to say that especially if we come from a background where um, finances is not a big stressor. And I do recognize for some students, um, you know, they hear that and say, I literally can't take more time. I, I can't, you know, push this degree out another year. Um, but I think there are different ways that we can take our time. And sometimes it might mean we get that major and we continue to explore, we continue to design, and maybe eventually we go back um, or, you know, whatever it needs to look like. But I think that principle of, not feeling rushed to make those decisions, I, I think is so important. And again, having that support team, I think can help us do that. So, so many good insights, Chris. I, again, I so appreciate um, the time you've taken today to chat with us, to share your own insights and, and thoughts, give us a little inside look at what being a principal looks like in, in 2022. Um, but any last thoughts you want to share with us before we wrap up today? No, I'm just so grateful that there's, like you said, we have podcasts, we have other ways to get information out to people in easily digestible bits. And I'm grateful for this opportunity. Thanks so much, Chris. We hope you loved this episode of the USU Career Studio podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family. 